0: This is a special Walker Cup episode. The Back of the Range Golf Podcast will introduce you to the finest amateur golfers in the United States. Some have competed in major championships, others have won USGA titles, and many have been named All-Americans. The one thing they all have in common? They all want to be one of 10 men chosen to represent their country at the 47th Walker Cup matches at Royal Liverpool Golf Club. This is is The Road Road to Hoy
1: Lake presented by AmateurGolf.com and now your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome back to The Road to Hoy Lake presented by AmateurGolf.com. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. Well, the United States Amateur Championship is complete. We have a new champion and the 2019 Walker Cup teams are set and finalized. Congrats to Andy Ogletree and John Augenstein for their incredible performance in the championship match at Pinehurst. You'd have to think that Ogletree doesn't get on that team unless he wins the match. You know, solid player out of Georgia Tech, but ranked outside the top 100 in the world. Augenstein was definitely on the bubble, but defeating two top 10 players in the world in the same day in Akshay Bhatia and Ricky Castillo, well, it became clear right then and there that the USGA was definitely going to put Augenstein on the team. Before we get to this final episode focusing on the players on this year's squad, we do have some more episodes on the way highlighting some former U.S. Walker Cuppers. Do not miss these episodes. They're absolutely incredible. Before we get to the final episode of this series, I really need to take some time to thank the great people at AmateurGolf.com for all of their support of this podcast of the last few weeks. You know, it all started when we had their founder, Pete Lidkowski, on during episode 82. Right then and there, we decided to collaborate and create the Road to Hoylake series. It's been a lot of fun. So don't forget, go check out AmateurGolf.com. There's a code, B-O-T-R, that'll get you 90 days free access to the entire website. Make sure you take advantage of that. Special thanks to Kyle Rector and Julie Williams, of course, for their involvement in this series. So in our final episode of the Road to Hoylake, we wrap up with one of the members of the national championship Stanford Cardinal team, Brandon Wu, and the number one ranked amateur in the world from the University of Texas, Cole Hammer. Other than Ogletree, I don't think anyone is having a better summer than Brandon Wu. He wrapped up his senior season at Stanford with the national championship, plays in the U.S. Open, qualifies for the Open Championship, picks up a gold medal with Stuart Hagestad at the Pan American Games, Gets a Corn Ferry Tour sponsor invite out in California, and now he's headed to Hoy Lake to represent his country one last time as an amateur before he turns pro. I also caught up with Cole Hammer. Heading into his sophomore season at the University of Texas, they were the runner-ups to Stanford right there at the national championship. Cole is just one of the most polished amateurs in the game. You first saw him. As a 15-year-old in the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, he won the Western Amateur last year, didn't make match play at the USAM, but you know he's going to be a very strong player over at Royal Liverpool representing the United States. Before we get to Brandon and Cole, don't forget to subscribe in Apple Podcast and Spotify. We're going to get back on track with our usual episodes starting next week. All of the social media links are available at thebackoftherange.com. You know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always giving away things. We're always looking for participation from our listeners. So please get involved in our conversations. Before we get to our conversations with Brandon and Cole, let's welcome back in one last time, Julie Williams, Managing Editor at AmateurGolf.com, to share her thoughts and experiences from the U.S. Amateur. Julie, it's our last episode in the series.
2: Oh, that went so fast.
1: You, you spent the whole, you spent the, you know, the entire uh, week, so to speak, at Pinehurst, and you're there following all these matches, and we have a new U.S. Amateur Champion, Andy Ogletree, with, I guess that's the upset over Augenstein?
2: You know, the, the longer and longer the week went, um, definitely John Augenstein was the more heralded player in the final match, no question about it. But the, the more and more golf that I saw Andy Ogletree play, the less I felt like this kid was just on a streak for one week. And the more I felt like we've overlooked this kid. We just, you know, we just didn't realize, um, you know, I think he has worked his butt off and put the time into the right things. And he was getting good direction from Coach Hepler at Georgia Tech. And, you know, I think there is more longevity there then than maybe maybe a lot of people give
1: him credit for. Well, he comes into the USAM basically as the 120th ranked amateur in the world. Yeah, I mean, he's solid. He's, he's a solid ACC player at of Georgia Tech. Uh, but again, there's so many guys like that all around the country in all sorts of storied college programs. And it's so easy to overlook him. And plus, just by watching the coverage and you being there on site, uh, not probably the flashiest guy out there.
2: Oh, absolutely not. Very, very low-key. You know, very much sticks to himself. Doesn't get excited. I mean, I, I think I saw the kid smile, like, twice this <laughs> week. and You know, one of the times he was holding the trophy. Of course. So, okay. he, he does not. And, he's, you know, that's what he's known for on the Georgia Tech roster. You know, the guys tell him, you know, he has a negative blood pressure. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, That's him. yeah, well, I mean, now now he has a whole lot of things next to his name. He's a U.S. Amateur champion. He's going to be on the first tee and the second. He's got two tee times with Tiger Woods in the Masters next year if he stays an amateur, and they extend him the invitation, which, of course, they will. He's in the Open. He's in the British Open. Um, and then, yeah, he's, he's on the road to Hoylake, so to speak. He is on the Walker Cup team. So we have our team set, and, uh, you know, it was nice to see that of – the 14 people that we spoke with are, for this series, eight of them will be on the team. And really, the two we just didn't get to get a chance to talk to are the two that were in the final match, John Augenstein and Andy Ogletree.
2: Well, I mean, both of those guys, Andy, obviously, he was the guy who, you know, the last week got him on the team. Oh, of course. Absolutely, obviously. Um, but, you know, John, I think John needed to have a good week because I think everybody kind of knew in the back of their heads what kind of. Head-to-head play, John Augustine was capable of, but just needed they just needed to see it again, and he showed it. I mean, talk about somebody who was steady, relentless—you know, just no holes in that game. You know, saying all the right things, doing all the right things. He he, hundred percent deserved to be on that team.
1: I I kind of agree. I think that I think what I saw at the Western and what I kind of saw at the Amateur is. Uh, you know, we we talked about how not a lot of the guys made match play at the Western. And then it seemed like all of our guys, when I say our guys, all of the guys on the shortlist made match play, which was, I think it was 10 out of the 14 made match play. You know, Cole Hammer didn't, and there were a couple other ones, William Mao didn't, but they all made match play. So that kind of helped their case, but also didn't differentiate themselves from one another. So, really, the only one that made a huge, massive move was Augustine, and he ends up getting the pick. And, you know, now we have, uh, you know, the entire team. We have, you know, Hammer, we have Batia, Hagestad. I thought John Pock was very deserving. Smalley, back-to-back, uh, Sonny Hanna champion. And then you go with, uh, you know, Wu and Celinda out of Stanford. That's not a shock at all. And, uh, and then Fisk out of Georgia Southern. And then, like we just said, Augustine and, um, and Andy Ogletree. So we have a very solid team. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to see what they do over there at Hoy Lake. Uh, our final episode, we kind of saved these two guys for the very end because, well, you know, Cole Hammer was a lock on July 24th, and right up until the second week, uh, you know, Brandon Wu had the third spot, and then the uh, the Wagger rankings kind of shuffled a bit, and Haggestad grabbed the number three spot away from Wu, but... Boy, you want to talk about just like a three A and a three B? That's you know I think Brandon Wu was probably the lock outside of those top three the entire summer after what he did. So we're gonna we're gonna introduce. I agree. Yeah. So we're gonna reintroduce Cole Hammer and Brandon Wu to everyone in this episode, and um, tell me a little bit about just in your many years with AmateurGolf.com, you've had you know interactions with these guys. Give me a good Cole Hammer and Brandon Wu story. We don't probably need to introduce them to to listeners but give me a good uh, Cole and and a good Cole hammer and Brandon Woof story. If you have one.
2: Well, I I, I first, I think like most people got on the Cole hammer bandwagon. I'll admit it. I'm on the Cole hammer bandwagon uh, after he won the Western amateur last year. And, um, you know, spoke to him in the wake of, of that victory. I was just really impressed with, he was an incoming freshman at Texas you know, this is a, you, know, I, you know, I wasn't at the Western, so this wasn't me watching him do this in person. But the, the level of golf talk that we engaged in, mostly coming from Cole Hammer, I mean, it was just, it's interesting to listen to him talk about what he's thinking about on the course. We're talking about the shot shaping, you know, that he's hitting, talking about, you know, what his mindset is on the golf course. And so then my ears sort of started to perk up anytime I see somebody put a microphone in front of him. I am just really impressed by the amount of stuff that's going on in his head, you know, not to his detriment, but he's thinking things through and the way he can talk about his game. And he's very composed. I I used you don't see that a lot. I mean, you know, many of these guys are very well-spoken, and many of these guys are very well-versed in front of cameras and with a microphone on their face. You could probably thank the AJGA for that. Of course, Cole yeah. Hammer is, is just a little bit different. Um, so, you know, he's a thinker. He's a he's an intellectual, I would say. So I like that aspect of him. Um, I like listening, I just like listening to him, talking to him talk about his golf game. Um, you know, Brandon Wu is like – comes out of this summer just looking sort of superhuman. But I have to say, you know, Brandon Wu got the number one seed at the U.S. Amateur after helping the U.S. team win the gold medal at the Pan American Games, took an overnight flight, got into Pinehurst the morning of the first round of stroke play, got to take a couple-hour nap and then go out and start playing. And when I was watching him and Austin Squires coming down 17 and 18 in that first round match he looked a little gassed i will say oh yeah we looked tired so i think you know it's incredible what he has done this summer i don't think you know he he held off obviously to remain an amateur so he can make this team and sometimes i think that's a big sacrifice for some of these guys i think i think he got some excellent experience i think Played out exactly, you know, as it should have for him. And I think this will help him in the future. But, you know, he qualifies for the Open. And he plays the weekend. And he qualifies for the British Open. And then he comes back over here. And then he's going to Lima, Peru for the Pan-American Pan game. You know, he comes right back to the U.S. Amateur. Shoots a course record on Finers number four. And, I, I, you know, I really just think he ran out of steam. But I, I think with a little bit of rest, he's going to put on the show that he has the rest of the summer as soon as he gets to Hoy Lake.
1: Well, Julie, I uh, I do appreciate your insight on Cole Hammer and Brandon Wu and of all the guests that we've had each episode here at the Road to Hoylake Lake series. You've been absolutely fantastic. Hope we can do it again in 2021 when the Walker Cup is here in the United States at Seminole. Thanks for contributing the entire time here at the Road to Hoylake Lake series. And uh, we'll catch up later.
2: Sounds great. Thanks, Ben.
1: Thanks, Julie, for the insight. Appreciate your involvement in this series the entire way. Let's get to our conversation with Brandon and Cole. Brandon, welcome back to the Back of the Range. How are you?
0: Great. Thank you for having me once again.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, the last time we spoke, uh, you and your uh, teammate, uh, Isaiah Salinda, I think you're in the same dorm room, just kind of talking about your your final senior season. And I guess truthfully at the time, it was kind of in a lull. Things were not going Super, I guess, for for the team at that point. You had a couple uh, off tournaments, so I'm gonna walk you back. February, you played a tournament in Hawaii. You finished 13th out of 18th. Mm-hmm. Fifty, I'm sorry, 49 strokes behind Oklahoma State, who ended up winning the tournament. What was I know? Sorry to bring up these numbers, but talk to me about the. I know you had a five and a half hour flight back from Hawaii to San Francisco. Tell me about that flight if you can remember it.
0: I think, um, I mean, honestly, after we, we had a quite a disappointing fall, um, I'm sure we touched on that a little bit last time, yeah. but, uh, you know, so we were, yeah, we were hoping to, you know, get things started once again, you know, looking forward to Hawaii tournament and getting 2019 off a good start. And then, you know, come out kind of slow once again, and, you know, it felt, it felt kind of tough you know it's like wow like we had all off season to kind of fix what went wrong in the fall and then we came out a little flat once again in hawaii but um i felt like we were still we were still in a good spot you know we still believed in each other we had um the palm springs tournament coming coming up which was you know the whole team gets to go and you play two teams and uh, we played the course three times before already so you know we're feeling good going to that but uh Yeah, that
1: was kind of the mindset at that point. Yeah, and so you're referring to, I think, the prestige at La Quinta. Guys had your T6 there. Then you went to Vegas, picked up a third-place finish. And then everything changed um, just by looking at what happened. I mean, this is your senior season. This is the, the last hurrah, so to speak. Yeah, And you guys absolutely run the table. You do not lose again. You win your home tournament, the Goodwin. You win the Western Intercollegiate, I believe. That's the one that Isaiah won as an individual. Yeah. Pac-12 conference champions, NCAA regional champions, and then you, you roll through the national championship and pick up that win. Um, did you see any of that? Did you honestly see any of that coming?
0: I think we, uh, I mean, we we knew we could do it. But um, we just needed to, you know, actually go out and do it. I think the biggest turning point in the season was definitely the Vegas tournament, just because that's notoriously one of the toughest fields in the whole country uh, over the course of the college season. And, you know, before that week, we I think I sat down with one of my teammates, Henry Shimp, and, you know, we looked. We were below 500 at that point. So. You know, it was kind of a tough spot going into Vegas. We're just below 500. We're hosting regionals this year. And, we, you know, we we might not even qualify if we don't play well, which would be a huge bummer, you know. And um, But, yeah, you know, we go out. We play really well. Unfortunately, we didn't win. But, you know, finishing third in a field like that with, you know, I think we're in the final pairing last day, too. So that definitely gave us a lot of confidence going you know, back to Stanford to play in the Goodwin in our home tournament over spring break. So, and then that's kind of when the ball started
1: to get rolling. I got a question for you. When you talk about, hey, we got to get things together. We got to write right the ship and fix the ship. You know, like maybe other sports, you spend more time in the gym um, or you, you you go over the playbook a little bit more. You do different things like that. What is it that you do to write the ship for in college golf?
2: Yeah, I
0: think it's it's quite interesting because you can, you know, you can do your things, but it may or may not work. Right. May or may not see the results. But uh, I think for me personally, I was just focusing on some of the smaller stuff. So it's like, and then, yeah, I think also something just getting your mind right. You know, you could be in the mindset of, oh, no, like we're really struggling. This. I want my senior year to go and this all sucks. Or you can be like, stay positive um and let's just keep going keep working hard and hopefully uh, good things will happen
2: yeah
1: no absolutely so um moving on to the national championship both you and Isaiah actually went undefeated in your matches going up against um you know Wake Forest in the in the quarters Vandy in the semis and then obviously Texas in the finals you're going to see a lot of uh, these guys you know I know that that you're you're right there on the cusp of getting selected for the Walker Cup team I believe you're, you're you know, we just recently had uh, Hammer, Hagestad, and Akshay selected as automatic picks. You're literally just one or two points right behind the automatic selection. So looking good for that uh, for that trip to Hoylake. Um, What are maybe some of the things that you learned about yourself in match play that you hope to translate to to the future?
0: Yeah, I felt that I definitely was good at applying pressure during the matches. Um, it helps to be a good putter, I feel like, because then oh, you're, yeah. uh, you're, you're never really out of the hole and you can really change the momentum when you're, you're a good putter. And then I know for my matches in the national championship, I, I hit a lot of greens in regulation. I think in that championship match, I played against uh, Pearson Cootie, but uh, I, I didn't miss a green. So <laughs> I think uh, when you're playing an opponent that you know hasn't really made that many mistakes, then it kind of just starts to wear down.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. You you're never really out of a hole until uh I mean if you if your putter's hot, you can pretty much get away with anything you want to. So, moving past college, I mean, moving past that, you you've gotten to do so many great things. You're playing the USA or I'm sorry, playing the US Open, um, played in the the Open Championship. I'm sure you're aware, maybe you're not, but first amateur to open to open qualify for both of those events in the same year since 1967. The, a lot of people saw the pictures after you made the cut, after your final round at Pebble Beach. Um, you got awarded your, your diploma from Stanford. So I remember when we spoke previously, Stanford and graduating, huge deal. You you definitely were going to stay your four years and, and get your degree. So I have to ask you, uh, maybe some other people would be like, yeah, I'm busy playing golf. Just put the diploma in the mail and whenever I get it, I get it. Um, were you pretty bummed missing your graduation ceremony?
0: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I guess the way that I've looked at it now, since I I can't go back and attend the graduation, the graduation ceremony is kind of just an event that culminates your your four years, but, you know, what's lasting and that I didn't miss is the four years of experience of actually going to school with my classmates and my friend, teammates, so obviously a little bit bummed to miss the ceremony celebrating it, but I think importantly I got to experience the whole
1: thing. So uh, so let me ask you, did you know you were going to get awarded the diploma on the 18th Green?
0: I'd heard whispers about it earlier in the week. The, the guy I was staying with, this guy Sam Reeves, who's the grandfather of one of my good buddies, Jamie McFarlane, uh, at Stanford. Uh, he knew a bunch of the USGA people, and he you know heard my story when I was telling it earlier in the week. I was like, yeah, like... If I make the country, miss my college graduation, but he, you know, he ended up taking care of it, kept it a whole surprise. And uh, yeah, it was awesome.
1: So I would imagine uh, people were very interested and maybe you were interested when the, when the final round uh, tee times come out to see that you're playing with Dustin Johnson, you know, it, it's so much is made of, of the game as a, as a power game and a, and a bomber and how distance is t- kind of taking over the, the next level, um, which is, I know where you want to be the PGA tour. Um, Anything about maybe his game that surprised you or anything about maybe just the moment saying like, hey, I'm I'm I can hit it just as far as these guys and I'm gonna be out here at some point and this is this is where I belong.
0: Yeah, I guess there there are a couple of moments that stood out from that day. I think I remember on being on the first fairway, I I'd just gotten my ball and he had already hit his shot and I was like, Wow, like I couldn't believe how fast he went. And suddenly I like panicked for a sec. I was like, Oh god, like <laughs> I need, to, I need to get it together. And then, so I felt like for most of the day, I actually, I hit my driver almost as far as him. Like, he hit a little bit farther, and I think he was toning it back. Um, and he definitely hit his irons probably a, a club farther. But, you know, for the most part, I felt like I was keeping up with him. But uh, there's a distinct moment on the ninth hole where he teed off in front of me, and he just striped his drive right down the middle of the fairway, like, perfect, high dead straight on a roof and i i laughed myself because i knew it didn't matter how good i hit this next one it just was not gonna look as (laughs) good.
1: (laughs) nice Uh, so uh you go over and play the open championship at port rush and i guess then you've you've had other times when you're over in in uh, i mean you had basically a world tour you got to spend time in scotland playing the old course you got to play you know obviously open qualifying for that Actually, I didn't tell you, but David Williams, your caddy um, at for the open qualifying for for Port Rush. Um, I've actually known him for quite a while and have met him in St. Andrews and played some golf with. him. Oh, wow. So that was pretty cool to see. Oh
0: Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. He was great on the back.
1: Yeah. Um, what, what about Lynx Golf? Did you uh, did you enjoy? And, and you know, obviously, uh, you know, leading up to future events as an amateur. But what are what are some of the things about Lynx Golf that you think uh, suits you?
0: I think it's interesting because you can almost be more creative out there. Um, you you have to, you know, factor in the wind, uh, how far the ball's rolling off your tee shots and into the greens. And you kind of have to play. It's almost not necessarily not short-siding yourself all of a sudden. It's like leaving yourself with a chip into the wind, which will be easier, even if it's on a shorter side than downwind. So it's, you know, some different things to think about for sure. I think there's, you know, maybe a little bit more going on just based on the conditions. And, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, the, the courses are all stunning out there. Um, and it's just kind of fun to play that style a little bit.
1: You got to do Pebble Beach for the U.S. Open and then Portrush for the Open Championship. As far as uh, maybe reception, uh, you know, probably hard to compare being in California and going to college in California, then going over to Ireland. But for people that weren't there... Uh, can you give maybe just an example or just an idea of what that open championship was like over there in Ireland for the first time since like obviously 1951, how crazy were the fans for, for championship golf over there?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I'd heard the tournament had been sold out for almost a year, like just ridiculous stats leading up to it, but uh, it, it really set in on how impressive it all was when I got up for my tee time at, I think it was like seven Oh seven thursday morning and it was cold a little rainy but the stands were basically filled and i was i was quite impressed
1: obviously port rush for the open um i did see a picture that you played uh played the old course you played uh, north barrack what other yeah. courses did you play over in scotland you know for for people that want to go on golf trips i mean hey you're you're a you're a golf junkie just like the rest of us we yeah. you know what what places are you like man i got to go back to that place or i need to plan a trip with some of my boys
3: yeah
0: um i guess Another one that, or two others that really stood out were Meerfield and Royal County Down. Okay, so I got I got to play Meerfield twice. So on the trip for the qualifier, we played 36 holes of alternate shot, which was quite fun. Okay, <laughs> um, so they I think they only allow two balls per group. So right, what happened most of the members they just go out and play foursomes in the morning, um, come back, shower, get dressed up in a coat and tie, and have a have lunch for a couple hours and then go back out and play 36 or 18 more holes of foursomes. So
1: that is the way to do it at Muirfield, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's an awesome experience. And I would highly recommend if any of you guys got the chance to do it. And then, uh, Royal County down was also stunning. Um, we caught it on a perfect day. It was just not too much wind, sunny out, warm. Um, so yeah, that, that was definitely a treat.
1: Well, you're hitting some of the good courses that I think everyone that wants to, if they plan a trip over to the UK, to Scotland or Ireland, I mean, you, you've, you've had your fair share of places to uh, to play. So this has kind of been a yeah. pretty magical summer for you. And it sure is uh, it, it's definitely not over with. Um, final thing, let's tell the story because, you know, I got this great picture of you with, with two previous guests of the podcast, uh, Kevin and Alexa Hammer. Uh, I don't have the episode numbers off the top of my head, but but they are previous guests on the podcast, and I got this great picture of you guys playing North Barrack. and I hate to throw you under the bus, but I hear that you lost that match on the 18th hole. How did that happen?
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a tight match all day, and uh, so it was me, Kevin, Alexa, and our, our mutual friend, Simon Holt, um, who's a member at North Barrack and from the town, so basically we were coming down the stretch. Actually, funny story, on 16, I think we were one down, but um, uh, Simon and Alexa win the hole and Simon takes off his hat and shakes our hands and he's like you know good match whatever and we're all a little confused um, me and Kevin especially because you know we're, we're two down with two to play like match nice. is still <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but he soon on the tee he realizes his mistake he's like oh my god I'm so sorry like <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll keep going he's, he's mortified he's telling me walking down the fairway he's like oh man I I really screwed that up, but uh, no, it was great. So I think we won 17, but we get to 18, which is a drivable par four. Yeah. And me and Kevin tee off first. I hit the left side of the green. I think Kevin is just short of the green. Simon sends one towards the houses is yelling for as his ball. Almost.
1: I've, I've played the, I have played North Barrack. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And it is it I guess and not to cut you off, but it just to give people an idea of what it looks like. I it kind of looks a little bit like a mini 18th hole of St. Andrews.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Okay, yeah. So he, yeah, sent, he so
1: he sends ones into the houses, and then Alexis steps up.
0: Yeah, Alexis steps up and stripes a drive, you know, 40 feet from the on the green, which is yeah, perfect. So you know, we're we're like, okay, now now we need an eagle just to to have the match. So we get up there and uh what do we know she <laughs> rolls it right in for an eagle and it's like wow what a way to end but happy for them that they got to pull it off
1: absolutely well you know you're 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 you're, you're an incredible person to share that story and uh i'm sure it'll it'll make them happy when they hear it but uh yeah. but i th- i think you'll survive the the crushing defeat of that match and uh, and and move on to uh bigger and better things but yeah is that the first match that you've lost since the national championship
0: <laughs> no unfortunately it's not well, on, on at Mirfield, we also i had a tough day there and the, the alternate shot me and my partner uh struggled a little bit but <laughs> you know it's it's all been fun all fun
1: matches I'll, I'll let you go good catching up again we'll do it again soon i hope and uh, all the best for the rest of the summer
0: Yep. Thank you so much for having me once again.
1: Thanks, Brandon. Good luck to you at Hoy Lake and as you embark on your professional career. Now let's get to the number one ranked amateur in the world, Cole Hammer. Welcome to the back of the range. How are you, sir?
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. I'm excited to be here.
1: There are three guys that got that call on July 24th that, that immediately were selected to the to the U.S. Walker Cup team. Akshay Batias, Stu Hagistad, and and... As the number one ranked gamer of the world, I'm sure the number one call was to you. So I know it wasn't a shock that you were going to be getting selected early. Uh, kind of got that out of the way, but can you maybe explain to listeners what the day was like when the phone rings from the USGA?
3: I can for sure. Uh, it was one of the one of the best days in my golf career. There's no question about it. I'm just because I had known for a while that I was going to make the team, like based on rankings. Uh, it, it obviously like it was just awesome to know like that it was official on that day and it was just it was a cool call i mean they were just like cool you have made the walker cup team uh if you'll accept it basically and i was like heck yeah i'll accept it so uh it was it was really it was a special day i was i was playing some golf with my dad uh in colorado so um, we got to kind of share that together but it was, it was a it feels like a culmination of like two years of hard work. And um, it, it, it's really, it was cool to get the call along with two other guys kind of before, uh, before the AM and get that out of the way.
1: I think I mentioned that to, uh, to Akshay. I mentioned to Stu. Um, I guess my question, knowing you're going to be on the team, but how much does that free you up just for the rest of the summer? Um, I know you tried to defend at the Western different course. We're going to get into that a little bit later, but how much does that free you up going into the USAM, knowing that you can just treat that list like any other tournament, even though it's the biggest amateur tournament in the world, but it really has no bearing on your Walker Cup status?
3: Yeah, it uh, it definitely takes a lot of pressure off um, just because like I'm not grinding to make the team that it, it's not up in the air whether I'll make the team or not. Uh, I, I'm already set. So uh, it would be definitely be a lot different if uh, I was still grinding to make the team if I was on the bubble um, I'm sure there would be some added pressure but now I kind of I have the option to just go out there and kind of play my own game and and not worry about a whole lot which which is nice being a golfer you always kind of want to go out there and just just play play the way you know how and not put too much pressure on yourself so kind of having this out of the way is, is, it's going to be great for me.
1: I guess one of the things I was curious about too, is going into the Western. I know you're trying to defend uh, your titles at a different golf course, obviously, um, you know, you, you won at sunset Ridge. This one's at point of woods. What were your expectations going into the Western? I know it's the same tournament you won, but it's also a completely different golf course was there any thoughts about that
3: like you said it was a completely different golf course and, and it felt like a completely different tournament honestly obviously the western was running it and then uh, it had the same feel but just with it moving around it uh, just, felt, just felt like a completely different tournament um, with with that being said I mean uh, I hadn't played uh, a tournament since the northeast dam so I was it had been about a month uh, like a competitive uh, break so I i, I might have been a little rusty in that first round and um it it probably cost me a little bit um uh, missed the cut by one uh which um suck which suck i'm not gonna lie because i felt like uh, i was kind of i was starting to play well in that second round and i uh, felt like i could have uh potentially made a run like i did last year but um it's just a tough cut and uh I mean, it it, all, it it was a good experience. I'm glad I I had it going into the USAM. Uh, it kind of gave me some confidence because I saw myself play well coming down the stretch um, on the second round.
1: I, when I saw that, I just was like, you had to just been just seething because I know you wanted to be right there with the match play and. Be, what were some? I guess just briefly, like what were some of the differences in that course as opposed to Sunset Ridge?
3: It was, a, it was a little bit of a longer golf course. I think this one was, I, I don't remember how long it was, but Sunset Ridge was just basically a wedge fest. And Point of Woods was, I mean, there were some good, solid golf holes out there where you're hitting long to mid-irons into, into a bunch of the par fours. So um, it was a little bit different golf course. Um, the greens were uh, pretty much all Poe at Point of Woods, uh, whereas at Sunset Ridge they were bent. The rough was thicker this week at Point of Woods than it was at Sunset Ridge, so um, there was more penalty if you missed the fairway. Uh, and I don't know, this course was more tree line, so it it was different. It was it was probably tougher, um, as the show uh, the, the scores showed. Uh, I think I medaled at like twenty three under last year, and this this year it was like thirteen. With it, like the top uh, sixteen being at like four under, so it was a it was a big change um, from this year to last year, but the Western is an awesome tournament and part of the history of it is that it kind of moves around or it has moved around for the last like 15 or 20 years. So
1: um,
3: you just kind of have to roll with the punches when uh, you're switching golf courses.
1: Between the Western and the USAM, it seems like those are the last two spots really for people that are trying to make the Walker cup team to really make a push, Uh, you know, saw a lot of players, you know, not make match play. Saw a couple of the guys get in there you know, namely, you know, uh, you know, Quade Cummins and Chandler Phillips and Ricky Castillo, some of the guys that are kind of on that short list that are making moves. Um, any conversations that you had with guys that were there? Because really, like I said, that's the next to the last big spot where you're going to see everyone.
3: Or obviously, the Walker Cup is a big topic of conversation among, among all the guys right now because I mean, it's it's coming down to the wire, and, and or nobody really knows what usga is thinking and and where kind of everybody stands so um it's a nerve-wracking time and i think everybody who was kind of on that bubble was really hoping to make match play and make a run um obviously like john pock made match play and quaid made match play and i know quaid was really excited to make match play after after winning the pack coast a week ago and so he's he's been on a good roll and and there's there's a bunch of guys that that either just missed the first cut or, or Made the second cup but didn't make match play. Who, uh, who were on the bubble as well? So nobody really in the short list made it like a deep run, other than Ricky. Uh, so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens kind of this weekend and the decision process.
1: Yeah, and I know having you know Captain Crosby out there at the Western, uh, I'm sure that <laughs> that probably just intensifies a little bit of the stress when you know you're walking down the fairway and you look over and you see well that's the guy that has at least a, a, a say in, in whether or not I'm going to be on that team or not, but your conversations with him are probably a lot less stressful than others.
3: Oh yeah, they are. Uh, I've, I've been lucky enough to kind of get to know him over the past two years. He kind of started watching me early last summer and, um, and I got to spend a lot of time with him at, uh, the Walker cup practice. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, all our conversations are, are nice and laid back right now, which is uh, which is a nice thing to thing to have under
1: my belt. Well, and and I've I've spoken to him briefly, and uh, he is a little bit of a needler, too. So it, it, he he can have a little fun with with you and and be a little uh sarcastic at times. So I'm sure that's gonna kinda transfer over once the entire team is set when you go over to Hoylake.
3: One hundred percent. He that's exactly what he was like at the practice session. He was uh, kneeling us and telling us some funny stories. It was a good time. He's a great guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's got to be funny. And also, you know, he's been there. He's actually, you know, he played Walker Cup in 83 at Royal Liverpool. So I think that's just going to be a a tremendous experience to have a captain like that. And obviously it's match play over there. It's alternate shot over there. I got to talk about uh, the national championship uh, run that you guys had. Uh, you know, falling short to Stanford, but man, if anyone was watching that match between you and Wolf, I was shaking my head watching it. Uh, you know, you beat, <laughs> you beat him. What was it, four and three? You beat the the Matthew Wolf. I think you started off with what six, seven birdies in a row on the front nine.
3: Yeah, I think uh, uh, between the two of us, we I think we had like eight birdies in the first six holes. It was pretty insane, and I think I was I was six under through seven. Yeah, 600 through 7 or 8. 600
1: through 8. And, uh, which
3: was pretty cool. And I had put for like 700 through 9 on, on the ninth hole, to put it that But we played some great golf, and I think we both knew that our match was probably, uh, going to be the decider. Um, obviously it turned out to be Steven Trevone's, but, um, if, if our match had flipped the other way, uh, Oklahoma State would have won. So it, it was, it was a great match and Matt and I have known each other for a long time. And, uh, it was kind of nice. We were, uh, like having, having fun out there messing around with each other a little bit. So, I mean, it was, it was a great match and there was some great golf out there. There's no question.
1: So I've spoken to some of the guys on the Oklahoma state side that were right there watching that final putt by Zach Bouchot show that, that horseshoed out. And, you know, I, I gently ask about that, that putt and, and, you know, it's obviously not something they're too thrilled no. to talk about. This, but on the other side, can you even? I mean, it puts you in the final match. But was it still just a shock when you saw that?
3: I was utterly shocked. Because um, you,
1: you don't wish that. I mean, you don't wish that anyone. I mean, you guys look, benefited. Look, it was. Yeah. It was.
3: It was dark. I mean, we we were standing on the edge of the green. We could barely even see the hole. Um, there's just no time where you want to see a match in like that i mean you're probably not going to give them a four-footer uh to for a berth in the national championship but uh at the same time it's just it's tough to see a match in that way and then um we were all shocked for the first few seconds and then i mean once we realized we were into the national championship match i mean we were excited um probably rightfully so but uh it's tough to it's tough to see uh, or something like that happen. um but obviously it's golf and, and stuff like that does happen and guys miss short putts. So, uh, it, it was, it was a tough, tough moment for, for them, I'm sure. Uh, but it was, it was a cool moment for us in the aftermath.
1: Absolutely. And then you go, you go yeah. against Stanford against guys that, uh, you know, very well, you know, uh, you know, Wu and Celinda and Shemp and, and the rest of the crew there for your freshman season to be put in that spot to reach all the way to the national championship match. I mean, how much is that, inspire you to get back for next year or the years to come
3: it's insane how much i think all of us are kind of ready to roll now um we we worked hard all season long we our, we didn't have our, our results weren't that great so i mean we they, we played well we finished second a bunch and we finally won our regional um leading into N T A. so we had some momentum there but it just never seemed like we could break through in the regular season and to see ourselves kind of play some great golf and get into to a position to win a national championship, with our first year on campus was is pretty pretty special, and I think it's gonna motivate us that much more going into this year. And I think it's great for the guys coming in, like Travis Vick and Mason Nome, to kind of see what uh, we're all about and um, kind of how we go about things. And I'm, I'm sure it'll give them some motivation to um, play well and kind of carry us back to the to the spot we were this past year.
1: When you see guys like Wolf and Hovland Morikawa. And what they're doing on the PGA Tour now, you know, is that something where you're like, man, I want to get out there just like them? Or do you kind of look at that and think, well, you know, it's there waiting for me eventually, but I I, I kind of dig being in college and I want to chase down a national championship. I mean, what I guess what are your thoughts on the the fact that youth is kind of taking over the PGA Tour?
3: Yeah, there's no question about that. People have been asking me, like, "Are you surprised about what's going on?" Like, they're telling me everybody's saying, "Wow, I'm shocked that Wolf and Markow are doing what they're doing." And I'm like, you know what? I'm really, I'm just really not. Like, I I feel like it was only a matter of time until these guys were were, were winning, and obviously, it probably happened sooner than most people expected. But um, I am not surprised at all that uh, about what's happened uh, with those three or four guys. So, the thought obviously crosses my mind that dang, like I was just playing with them a month ago and, um, and now they're out winning on the PGA tour. Um, I, I definitely think about like a oh, day I could be doing that too, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I, I mean, I love our Matt in college and, um, I wouldn't want to trade that for, for what, for, for that opportunity like right now. So, um, I'm just, I'm happy with where I'm at. There's no question. And um, where we finished last year in the national championship it has motivated all of us to kind of get back there um, as, as my, I mean, that's, that's my main goal leading into this coming year. So.
1: All right. So we're going to let you go. We're going to get you ready for the U S amateur. Um, you made the semifinals last year, obviously in the, in the U S am. So I know you're trying to repeat that or at least exceed that and get to the finals. Um, any thoughts on the fact that the, um, the winner of the U S amateur, uh, we'll play uh, two rounds of golf at the Masters next year with Tiger Woods.
3: Oh, I, I'd completely forgotten about that. Um, That's pretty special. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, there's no no two ways about it. Tiger has transcended this game that we're this game that we play, and um, to have the opportunity to win a win an amateur event and get to play with him and, and, and arguably the biggest tournament in uh, in the world is pretty cool uh i mean i'm laughing about it right now i can't even imagine it but you know it's uh, kind of funny
1: you're not the first one that did that did not cross their mind which is shocking to me because as soon as i saw that happen i was like oh USAM champ is playing two rounds next march or next april with tiger woods
3: you know what yeah i mean i knew i knew that was going to happen i just
1: yeah, I mean, I I had forgotten about it. So,
3: uh, I mean, I, I'm just kind of focused on, on the USM and kind of doing my thing there. But obviously, everything that comes with a USM title is pretty cool. And um, honestly, it doesn't matter who you're playing with if you win the USM, but playing with Tiger would be uh, off the charts.
1: Um well we'll get you out. By the way, what are your lodging, you know, you know, you're going to be a sophomore at Texas. What what are you working on this summer lodging-wise to get yourself ready for next year at Texas? What is what is the uh what is what is the situation going to be for you next year? I'm assuming you're not in the dorms.
3: I am not in the dorms. I am I ran away from the dorms as fast as I could this past year. Uh well, we we were in an apartment, but it felt like a dorm towards the end of the year just because uh it was basically the opposite of a clean apartment so we have the opportunity to start over uh, at this uh, new house where me pearson cootie and will thompson are living so uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun with it it's just off north campus Um, a couple of guys on the team had a house like two doors down from it last year and we were trying to get it to where we would have this new house and they would still be in the, uh, the other house two doors down but Um, they ended up losing it because they couldn't find a fourth guy to, uh, fill the room. So, uh, we are, uh, kind of, uh, on our own on in our new house. So we're excited for it. Uh, we have started to move in a little bit. I'm trying to figure out the whole room situation right now, but, uh, it's going to be a blast. We're going to have, we'll have a good time with it. There's no question about that.
1: I mean, what are, what are the necessities? I mean, obviously you need, you need the the couch, you need the bed, you need, you know, all that sort of thing, but what are like the necessities for a proper golf house?
3: I I feel like you got to have some like retro golf, like posters around, around the living room. Okay uh we're trying to i mean it's obviously gonna be a golf house but we're trying to make it like not like you walk in i I don't want to walk in and smell golf if you know what i mean (laughs) sure so we're 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 gonna we're kind of working on that right now it's a work in progress work in progress i'm the only one who's seen the house out of us three so or been into the house out of us three so um as soon as we get there we'll we'll kind of figure it out a little little more but we'll we'll definitely have a dartboard in there somewhere um hanging up on the wall which will be good for killing some time or or whatever and um we got the couch set up and it's gonna be good whichever way we decide to decide to dice it up
1: so it's probably not going to be like an ou dartboard or would that maybe fit
3: you know what it probably would fit except uh we do not have an OU dartboard, nor are we in the market for one. All week. Right. I got one at the USAM last year that says "US Amateur of Pebble Beach," which is it's kind of sweet. So we'll hang that in the living room, and um, we kind of we destroyed it last year, so we'll keep that trend going.
1: Nice, nice. Well, I know you're getting ready for USAM next week, and then obviously jumping across the pond to uh, to the Walker Cup. So best of luck. Uh, you know. Congrats on all your success this past uh, these past two years. Well-deserved.
3: I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me on, as always.
1: And there you have it. The road to Hoy Lake is complete. I'd like to thank you all for listening to this series. Don't forget, subscribe in Apple Podcast and Spotify. Everything you need is in the show notes of this episode. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.